Amen. We are a blessed people in America, are we not? Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, turn over the book of Romans today. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We are honored to have each and every veteran here today. We're very fortunate, very blessed, and honored to have every person here for that fact. But we especially want to extend a welcome to our veterans. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1 today. Romans chapter 13. It's a great, uh, a great song. Beginning in verse 1, we read, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. They that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, an avenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor, to whom honor. Uh, the passage this morning exhorts believers to be subject or to be in submission to those that are in authority. Amen. We talk about government officials or political offices or officers. We think about public servants that are in a position of authority. They are to receive our support. Amen. Now that's a that's a tall order sometimes in our lives and the flesh in which we live. But the reality is, is that God exhorts us, commands us to be in submission or subject to their authority. And honor is something that you and I as citizens, you and I as men and women need to extend or render to them that are worthy of it. And there are none more worthy of honor than those veterans that have provided and preserved our liberty today. You know, our borders are breached. Our businesses are copied. Our form of government is imitated. Our prosperity is envied. And our freedom and liberty longed for because of the greatness of this land. This is America. And America, in part, is the byproduct of the men and women that have served and sacrificed on behalf of this great nation. We would not be where we are today without their service, without their sacrifice. Veterans Day is a celebration to honor Americans' veterans. It doesn't matter what branch of service that they served in, but it's to honor them for their patriotism, their love of country, their willingness to serve, and their sacrifice for the common good. Let's face it, their courage in the face of death, their commitment in the face of overwhelming obstacles is a living testimony of the reality and the deserving of honor. And we need to give them that honor. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Monday's a big day, isn't it? If you're a veteran, I want you to know it's a big day. Because many restaurants are giving free meals to veterans. Is it Tuesday? You go Monday, I'll go Tuesday. That way I don't have to fight the crowd, amen? I thought I had a free one on Monday. I was like, looking forward to tomorrow. Oh, well. I mean, that at least make Mondays better. But nonetheless, Tuesday it is, the 11th. That's correct. Today's the 9th. We're going to get free meals. I was amazed. You need to go, if you don't know, go on a website. It'll tell you how many places are offering meals and different incentives to veterans. Let me tell you something. I, I think that's wonderful. I think it's great that uh, there are, are businesses around our country that recognize that the ability that they have to serve people throughout the year is a direct result of the people that serve them in the military. The freedom that they have is extended to them by those who even laid their lives down and others that were willing to lay their lives down. Whether a soldier has endured the heat of battle or not, whether they've suffered the wounds of warfare or not, every soldier, every soldier has offered themselves on behalf of their nation and given themselves for the same cause, and that cause is freedom and liberty. Certainly a special thanks needs to be given to those who have weathered the storm of battle. But let's face it, all veterans are worthy of honor today. And today we certainly want to extend a heartfelt gratitude to every veteran today. This morning, as much as we owe honor to each veteran, we're even more indebted to our Lord. Amen. As much as we would not be the nation we are without those who heeded the call to battle, without those who were willing to go into service and provide and ultimately protect the freedoms that we now possess. It would not be possible at all without the blessing and the mercies of God. Like every veteran who has demonstrated courage and commitment to their cause, Christ has done the same and even more so. And in just the next few minutes, I want to take just a moment and I want to honor the Christ who makes possible not only the effort of our soldiers, but the continuation of our nation. Amen. So let's take a moment and pray, and then we'll just consider these three simple thoughts, and we'll be done this morning. And then we're going to take a moment to recognize our veterans. Father, we come to you. Thank you for these that have gathered this morning. Lord, what a tremendous crowd that has made their way to Community Baptist Temple. Father, I know that we're here because we are excited to honor our veterans, but Father, I am even more sure that we have gathered today to honor you. Our Father, bless this service and everything that's said and done. May it be said and done for your glory. Fill me with your spirit. May I be your mouthpiece today. May you just bless your people and may they hear with spiritual ears. We need you, Father, to reach down, speak to us, touch us. We've wasted our time if we gather and hear a mere man today. We need to hear from you, from heaven. Bless us now, we pray. We thank you for the lives that have been extended. We thank you, Father, for the effort that's been put forth by every veteran. Lord, just the freedoms that you have given to us through their self-sacrifice and self-commitment, we thank you for it. May we, Father, honor you by exercising our freedoms to worship, 
and to honor you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, when I think of Christ, uh, Christ exhibited courage, just like every veteran. Even in the midst of foretelling his fate, he exhibited courage. When I joined the army a number of years ago, you know, we weren't at war at that time. There were no real battles taking place at that time in history. It was back in the uh, early, mid-80s, and things were moving along pretty well. And They had said, you go into the military, you get some school benefits and things, and I figured, well, why not? You know, I mean, I really was not going anywhere too fast in our economy at that time. It wasn't doing too awfully well. And so I did decide to go into the military, and uh, I made my way there. I went to Fort Jackson for my basic. I ended up over in Fort Gordon for my AIT. I ended up in Germany for about a year and a half uh, or so. Then I came back and spent another year at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Now, I spent three years active, and while I was active, no war began, no skirmishes started. I decided to join the National Guard, and I honestly thought that if I joined the National Guard, I'd be safe from any foreign wars. Well, they changed the rules in the middle of my, uh, my enlistment and decided that now National Guardsmen can be and Guardswomen can be deployed nationally. And we became the National Army National Guard. And I wasn't very happy. I figured I gave them three years to start a war, and if they didn't do it in that time, I was free and clear. <laughs> but nonetheless, it all changed. And so now here I am, a six-year enlistment with the Army National Guard. Uh, and so I started that in uh, 1986, and it was around 1990 that all of a sudden uh, we had a battle in the Middle East that raised its ugly head. And I still, to this day, I, I was not aware of it. I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't have to look forward to it. I joined the military and understood that we were at peace. I knew it could happen, but I really didn't know it would happen. And when it did happen, I can tell you my perspective changed completely. Christ knew he was going to Calvary when he came. And yet, he exhibited courage. There's no question about it. He knew. Over in the book of Matthew, if you would turn with me, please. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. We were slated or to prepare our wills, get ready to go. And of course we did, and we made plans and preparation. And I, however, was very blessed in that I did not have to go. Uh, things happened so quickly the first time over in the Middle East that within 30 to 40 days, everything calmed down, and they said, we're no longer on alert, and we were going to be reinforcements. Fortunately, our troops did a fabulous job, a wonderful job. And I was, uh, I avoided it. I wasn't, I didn't have to go. But let me tell you, the thought of facing that changed my perspective. Um, when you think you have courage, 
and you face something like that on the onset, sometimes you realize you're not as courageous as you thought. And some are, some aren't. But I can tell you this, it took much prayer and fasting for God to get a hold of my heart and bring a peace before I was told we would not be going anywhere. But nonetheless, Jesus Christ knew right up front. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, it says, And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There's no sign to be given it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus knew early on in his ministry that he was going to die. And how could he, you say, how do you know that? Well, because he knew he would be buried and rise again the third day already. He knew that. Ministering, sharing his, his truths with people, he already knew he was destined for death. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Later on in the book of Matthew, just a chapter later in chapter 17, verse 22 and 23, he says, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. Jesus is revealing this plan. He's revealing this reality as he goes along in his ministry. He's sharing with the disciples what he already knows that he's going to die on a cross, that he's going to pay the price for mankind's sin. In Matthew chapter 20, ultimately verse 17 through 19, he says, And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, verse 18, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and he and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Isn't it interesting as we move along in the book of Matthew, as we, we, we follow the steps or trace the steps of Jesus Christ with his disciples, he only gives them peace by piece, bit by bit. He doesn't tell them all the details at the start. He begins very quickly to say this is what will happen. Then he begins to add little details along the way. Do you realize that if God revealed to us the plan for our life at the very beginning with all of its details, we probably couldn't handle it. If he revealed to us all the hurt and the heartaches, all the trials and tribulation, all the difficulties and the, the disasters that we would face in life, we could not handle it. So he shares them step by step, bit by bit, piece by piece. And in this particular case, Christ knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to be mocked, maligned, and mistreated. He knew that he would endure a cat of nine tails. He understood his beard would be ripped out. He knew that he'd have a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He understood the ramifications of the mission that he had received and accepted. And yet... He exhibited courage in the midst of foretelling it. But also, number two, Christ exhibited commitment in the midst of facing it. Amen. Take your Bible, look at Matthew again, verse tw chapter 26, verse 37. 
Matthew 26, verse 37. We begin reading there in verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. The Garden of Gethsemane is what we're dealing with here. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, he says. Verse 42, and he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this, cup, uh, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. <coughs> then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Jesus Christ not only knew his fate, but in this particular case, he's facing it. Now the betrayer has gone and brought forth the soldiers, and he is going to be confronted here. He is facing his inevitable end now. And yet he faces it with a level of commitment that says, I will not turn back. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. If this is what you have for me, is this is what my fate and what my future holds, if this is what your will is, then that is exactly what I will accept and fulfill. He exhibited commitment in the midst of facing it. Number three, Christ exhibited compassion in the midst of feeling it. See, early on, he exhibited courage in the midst of foretelling it. He exhibited commitment in the midst of facing it. And now he's going to exhibit compassion in the midst of feeling it. Take your Bible, look at Mark chapter 15. Verse 16. He's faced the mock trial. Pilate's washed his hands. And now here he is, enduring his fate. Mark chapter 15, verse 16, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. They called together the whole band. They clothed him with purple and planted a crown of thorns and put it about his head began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head and with a reed and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And they had mocked him. They took off the purple from him 
put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Can you imagine with me for a moment the creator of all the universe? The one who spoke the universe into existence. Being mocked, spat upon, and mistreated by his creation. Isn't that an amazing picture? Literally the one who placed them here, that gave them the very breath they had, gave them the very ability that they had to mock him, to wound him, to batter and to beat him. The one who literally gave them the strength to raise their hand against him was the one that they beat. The God who created them. In Luke chapter 23, 33 and 34, the Bible just says, And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. The malefactors are on the right hand and, on the, other, uh, and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, listen to this compassion. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The people, his people, the Jew, had cried, crucify him. And there he made his way to Calvary. And under the escort of guards, they placed him on a cross and hung him before the world. Now he looks upon his people and he says, they know not what they do. They don't understand what they have done, who they've done it to even. They don't know that I am God. They don't realize I am creator. They are so blinded. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand that every blessing that they possess is a direct result of my hand. They don't understand that every child that they hold in their arms is the blessing from heaven that I provide. And yet, although he's mistreated, although he is horribly tortured, although he is extreme in his pain and agony and suffering, his compassion is extended. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Our veterans have, ex ex they have exerted and shared their courage and their commitment, their valor with all of us. Those characteristics, those qualities, those traits have provided us with a freedom, a liberty that we now hold and possess. But there is a greater freedom that one can possess than even earthly freedom, than liberty as a nation. It is liberty of the soul. Freedom of the soul. In the book of Colossians chapter 2, take your Bible, look there. Verses 13 through 15. Jesus exhibited courage in the midst of foretelling it. He exhibited commitment in the midst of facing it. And now he exhibits compassion in the midst of feeling it. 
That which once he foretold, he faced, and now he felt firsthand. And yet, he was faithful. Notice Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15. And you, he says, speaking to the church at Colossae, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all transgression, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Our Lord Jesus Christ was triumphant, victorious. He defeated death. There is no enemy greater on earth than death. Mankind has dealt with and overcome many tragedies and difficulties, but death is one thing none of us can escape. Every one of us has an appointment with death, as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. We have an appointment with death, and yet Jesus Christ went to war for us, went to battle on our behalf, and overcame death, gave us victory, if indeed we'll allow him. He speaks to the believer in Colossus and says, Being dead, you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. He says, You've made you alive unto him, having forgiven you all trespasses. There's not one sin in your life today that's bigger than God. Not one sin that can keep you out of his presence. Not one because he defeated sin, he defeated Satan, he defeated the grave. Our veterans have provided us with a freedom. They've defeated foreign armies. They have protected us from harmful groups that have tried to hurt and to, to, to stifle us. And yet, we today have that freedom because of their effort and their work and their victories. We have a greater, greater victory in Christ. A greater freedom than ever, and that's over death. This freedom will last for a mere years. That one lasts for eternity. And today I hope and trust that you have allowed Christ to forgive your sin. 2,000 years ago, he hung on a cross. He fought the battle, the war, for you. He paid for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. And the Bible says, If the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Are you free today? I mean, do you experience liberty? We're so grateful to these veterans today, and we ought to be, and we should show them honor because they have fought and they have, have lived their lives serving their nation, their country, at some point so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we do. What kind of honor and tribute have you paid to him for the war that he fought, the battle that he won, and the freedom that he provides? As believers, we need to yield ourselves to him and honor him daily for that victory and for the hope that we have in him. 
But if you're lost today without Christ, if you do not know for sure heaven's your home, I want you to know that his arms are open to you today. That he's a God who died in your stead. He took your place. He paid for your freedom and liberty today. But you have to accept it. You have to allow him into your life. Allow him to be your savior and allow him to wash you from your sin. Veterans Day. It's an important day on our calendar. And I appreciate that our government recognizes our veterans on a specific day each year. But there is no more important day in your life than the day that you recognize Christ as your Savior. That, my friend, is a day that you cannot afford to miss. If you don't know him, I pray you trust him today before it's eternally too late. Because someone will pay for your sin, either you or him. And he would rather it be him because it's already finished. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for your love and your grace. Lord, we have 